today's show, as always, sponsored by LivasaIslandApparel.com. For gear that represents the South Pacific Island languages and cultures accurately and responsibly. Put on for the culture. Catch the wave at LivasaIslandApparel.com. Welcome everyone to the Balinesian Podcast, sponsored by Levasa Island Apparel. Put on for the culture and catch the wave. www.levasaislandapparel.com. Also mm. check out uh, their Instagram page uh, at Levasa underscore Vasa, um, and the good things they got going on in Modesto's on Saturdays with that food bank. Keep it up, bro. Uh, Forest, what's up? Welcome. Uh, we are thank you recording. At uh, just after the franchise tag deadline uh, in the NFL, so a lot of moves, uh, a lot of franchise tags. Well, I guess there were six franchise tags placed this year. Uh, we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about John Morant and what he's got going on for a little bit. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, two guys rated highly coming out of the combine. That's Alabama and Oregon linebackers Henry Toto. And Noah Sewell, who he, NFL Network has as the fourth and fifth um, top linebackers in this draft, respectively. Yes, uh, that's that's pretty big. They're gonna go. Uh, they're gonna go early. I I I'm well. Both of them coming out of high school were pretty highly touted. Uh, I know Noah was. You can say he was number one or two. It was between him and Justin uh, Flo, who. They both signed with Oregon, but um, yeah, Noah was pretty much the number one recruit coming out of high school. Linebacker, sorry, linebacker coming out of high school, going into Oregon. Henry was pretty up there. Uh, he played at uh, De La Salle. Yeah, he played with uh, another player that's in the draft this year, Isaiah Foskey, uh, alumni from that school, DJ Williams. Uh, what's his name? The running back that played at uh, UCLA. Uh MJD, uh, Maurice Jones Jr. Yeah, Dallas out. He was pretty highly touted. I don't know if he was a five star or four star, but he Henry went over to he was a Tennessee volunteer before he transferred over to Alabama. Uh, the year he transferred, he was one of the more spoken about transfers that year. He did a really good job for Arizona's defense. Um, two actually very different types of linebackers, both very physical. I think Henry's a little better in coverage. Um, and Noah's really good against the run, both super athletic. So it'll be nice to see. Um, I know at the combine, a lot of the other linebackers, their, I guess their, uh, their stock rose because of certain drills, uh, which is the forty. Uh, both those guys ran under. Uh, to check, but I know I think they both ran about four sevens. You know, which isn't bad for a linebacker athletically. So this says um, what I'm looking at now says Henry Toto ran a four six two. That's pretty good. I mean, well, for me, I mean, a lot of the extras like they were expecting to run a, on at his size, and then again, because he's Polynesian bone density, he's going to carry that weight better. Uh, I just being a Polynesian descent, I know that him running a four six at the size he is. It's probably really amazing, <laughs> you know. And then if you watch also Noah on the field, the way he carries his weight is 
Like that's a athletic in its own right, not just the things he's able to do, like uh, turn a corner, chase somebody down, or track the ball from sideline to sideline. Um, I think they, they, uh, they, they, they're very athletic. I think they, they, they came into the draft or the combine, sorry, and, and I know the forty was going to be uh, something that was going to come up for them because they had a linebacker. Actually, they had a defensive end, Nolan Smith out of Georgia, run a 4 3 40. That's for a defensive end. I know if I'm a quarterback, I do not want a six foot four, six foot three, 245 pound man running a 4 3 chasing after me in the backfield. So 40s are important, but um, it's good to see that they're ranked so high at their position. It's four and five is pretty good, you know. You just have three other guys ahead of you who are probably also uh, going to be drafted early. Some of these linebackers, like first round early. So, which has, which says that Henry and uh, Noah have a chance to go pretty high in early rounds. Also, doesn't, whatever round you get picked in isn't going to really secure your success in the NFL. Right. You know, what you do after you get drafted is, but uh, it does secure how much your first paycheck is going to be. So, so, for for Henning Toto and uh, Noah Sewell, uh, I pray that they're both drafted early enough, you know, so they get a a pretty good contract. But I just hope they go. I really pray that they both get drafted to teams that are able to use their skill sets, and we'll be able to see them play on Sunday. Because uh, yeah, so far watching them throughout their careers in college, they've been pretty good. It was fun to watch them. So. Uh, it says Noah Sewell measured in at uh, six one and a half, two forty three, and ran a four six four. See, two. What? You shouldn't be that big and be able to run that fast. <laughs> that's what, okay. So that's what I was thinking, right? And I'm looking at these other times, <clears throat> and out of the specific linebacker position uh, that ran these drills, they're on the speed wise, they're towards the back. They're not uh, the yeah, fastest see, guy ran a right. four three nine at the line right. position. See, so I think it says a lot about their ability as linebackers that even though they're not blazing, you know, in front of the pack in their position, right. they're still ranked highly. Like they can make the tackles and make the reads. I feel like even right. without that, the fastest speed. I still remember the days when uh, your linebacker ran a four five and a four six, and you were like. Holy crap. You know, now and then guys are running like sub four fours and you're like, oh damn, he's fast. Like it's regular for linebackers, which speaks to how much the game has grown and the position itself has grown. Because before, yeah, I mean, you had coverage linebackers, but a lot of your uh a lot of your assignments were stopping the run, you know, up most to up more towards the line than it was dropping back in the coverage. So guys like you still have throwback guys like um Dante Hightower. You know, big guy uh, was like, I think he played at like, what did he play at? Like 260 or something like that. Then like um, Harrison was a really big linebacker. And if he smacked you, he smacked you, you knew. Uh, for Pittsburgh, um, the Raiders have Denzel Perryman, who's not great in coverage, still made the Pro Bowl because he's a tackling machine and he he's always up at the front. Yeah, he's short. Yeah, that too. For a middle linebacker, a lot of the guys are about six foot six one. You know, for playing middle linebacker, they want you to plug the hole. So, and he does a really good job at that, Denzel Perriman. So, I think that's where uh, Noah's going to make most of his money at. 
on Sundays is uh, playing middle linebacker up towards the line, stopping the run. But yeah, like I said, um, when when you heard about guys before a few years back running four fives, uh, four six, which is what Henry Toto and No Soul run, you were you're pretty excited. Like I'm excited still to hear those numbers from those guys. But scouts are just like, oh, he's he's kind of slow for that four or five. I don't know. That's pretty fast to me. I mean the definitely the scouts aren't always right, but to see like the network, um projecting them as Fourth top five uh, yeah. linebackers in the class. That's, uh, nice. That's Even after, like, not the blow-your-mind stats jumping off of the page at the Combine. Right. I think that says a lot about, you know, what they have done in college and what they all have already shown. Right. Um, someone who tested out the gym is Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. Did you uh, see any of his Combine videos? I did. Uh, hear about it? I mean, I, I watched uh, every day after, um, like, around maybe around 6 o'clock because I know that's when the, uh, most of the combine stuff are done. Uh, people will post on uh, YouTube. So I've been watching every night after instead of live. But, um, man, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, maybe. He's about 240, uh, a 4'4", 40. Uh, and so, like, people – yeah, he's not going to run that all the time, but it helps because – yeah, he's big at 240. So imagine him getting away from somebody. So now he can run away from you. But if you do wrap him up at 240, he might be able to break your tackle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe he's not. You don't want your quarterback using his 4-4 speed every play, you know, because he's your quarterback. But to know that he's able to get upfield at that speed and go buy a couple of your linebackers, maybe, you know, run with your DB, uh, that's pretty scary for a defensive coordinator. And then to watch him, uh, I'm not, I know. Him and C.J. Stroud, uh, when they were throwing, they had the crowd. It's funny, too. Like, you're at a combine. You don't expect this loud roar from a crowd. But if you watch, if you go onto YouTube and watch uh, them throwing the deep ball, uh, that part of the combine, the crowds are just going crazy because he was at the nine-yard line and he just put it on the dime uh, at the other 30, you know, twice in a a row. And then the next one, I think he overthrew the guy, which was still (laughs) right on the 30. So if you imagine that throwing from the other nine yard line to the thirty yard line on the other side of the field, that's uh, like 60, 67 yards, something like that. Easy, you know, just and easy. He made it yeah. look effortless. Yeah. It just like, like a flick of the wrist, not really like he was driving or anything. No, it looked like a regular like, throw that was right. going a lot further than other people's. Like us guys who don't like us guys who don't uh, practice with this stuff or, or play football professionally or like you know. Just out throwing a football, you know, you, you can tell we're, we're digging our foot into the ground, you know, trying yeah, to get the yeah. you know, the best footing and just trying to heave it up there. No, my man looked like, yeah, his his yeah his sixty yard throw looked like our five yard throw because he just like shoot, <laughs> you know, um, forty inch vertical, forty and a half 40 inch vertical, yeah. and I, that's crazy. At six four, they saw him; he could do a East Bay punk dunk, which is uh, if you guys don't. You know what that is? He put it through his legs easily and, and able to dunk it. So, um, again, also it won't. It, it doesn't automatically equate to a amazing career in the NFL or even an amazing first year. What it does do is tell you how athletic he is and what can be if he's coached right. Because he had Feeling. one decent year at Florida. It wasn't great either. It was decent, but you saw flashes. 
that, uh, which is kind of scary because what if that's all you see in his NFL career is flashes? But his athleticism is just it's he's so athletic, it's hard to just not be like, you know what? No, we're gonna develop him. There's gonna be a team early who's gonna take that chance. And yes, it's still a chance. Uh even though he tested out of the building um during the combine, it's still a chance you're taking because he hasn't really put all of that together for one whole season yet. And that's a lot of money you what throw if yeah. did for the your word, team right? exactly. on a rookie contract. Yeah, exactly. And then you get him on that rookie contract and he so it's it's scary. Yeah. I mean they even put him uh at the combine, if you watch uh, the NFL network, they they do this thing where they have a hologram from uh former players and they put it against you oh, when you're running your forty. Yeah, and to see can, the difference. Well, he dusted uh Josh Allen and Mahomes, who both yeah. run in the four fives, four fours. So I don't know, he dusted them that hologram, like he was way ahead of them. Which is that's scary to think that the guy said that at two forty, six four, two forty. And that's another reason why for him, like running that forty and being able to move that smooth on the field when throwing is is like amazing. Cause at that size, like that that's crazy to be doing something that athletic at that size already. Uh his player comp so far that I've seen is Cam Newton. I'm going to ask you uh, if you think that is accurate here in a second. Uh, Anthony Richardson, um, do you think he's jumped ahead of Will Levis? Yes. In the court? Yeah? Okay, I can yes. see that. Do you think he's jumped in front of Bryce Young? No. no. CJ Stroud? No. Hayden so- Hooker? Uh, I I don't even think Hayden Hooker was ahead of him or Levis to begin with. Oh, okay, but he's definitely secured the behind. Third. Yeah, he's Ohio he's third, at least quarterback. Yeah, he's top three right now. He's top three right now. Uh, Will Levis just because Will and, and again the forty, it's important because it not only shows you how fast he be, uh, running straight away, but uh, is it the ten yard split? Uh, they have so like. Um, that equates to quickness and just like trying to evade somebody. So, if if Will Levis probably would have ran his forty and even just had a better ten yard split than some of these guys, he'd probably still be three. But he didn't. He did have show a really great arm at the combine. Like he he can throw it, but again, just like Anthony Richardson, they both had one year that was Will Levis had a great junior season, but a very for me, I think it was a subpar senior season for him because if you're going to have a great junior season and then come back and kind of uh, – maybe it was the guys around him. Maybe he didn't have as many weapons as he did his junior, but his junior year or senior year was disappointing. So that's going to drop him anyway at the bottom. It's scary. I mean, look at Zach Wilson had the one great year, came out, and now what? Now the Jets, after his rookie year, are waiting to – they're looking for their new quarterback. You know, so the guy, that's scary. And it wasn't even the good year that kind of put him in the spotlight last year. It was that one throw that he had, and it wasn't even at the combine. It was at his pro workout, a BYU nice. pro workout. Yeah. So Who's the, uh, Who was the slot receiver that emerged for the New York Giants? Not Sterling Sharp. He was, I think he was a rookie, but I think yeah. he played. From, uh, from Ohio State, Garrett Wilson? 
no, not uh, sorry, not the Jets, the Giants. Um, that not Kadarius Tony. After Kadarius Tony left, Slayton. Not Slayton. He was like a young guy, but I think he went to school. I think he played with Will Levis, and then uh-huh. he left this year, and oh, okay. Levis's numbers like dropped off. <laughs> Excuse me. Anyways, but Anthony Richardson definitely jumped up. Um, definitely, definitely. And, and that's what that's why the combine is so important for a lot of these guys, like mm-hmm. especially especially for guys who like who are at the very top, but not at the top. They'll show something and then automatically they move. So if you're like in the first round, if you're projected to go first round, and then all of a sudden you're like, damn, you know what I mean? You have like a really great combine. Now you're at the top part of the first round. Now you're top 10. So your paycheck automatically went from like maybe 3 million a year. Now you're projected to make like 10 million a year. That's the importance of like moving from the back part of the first round to the front part of the first round. And the combine is important for a lot of guys who can do that. It's also important for a lot of guys who are who didn't really get the chance to be seen, but a lot of these scouts, one of these scouts invited you or put your name to be invited because they probably saw you somewhere do something incredible, you know? You want, and so they're giving you the chance. So now guys like, uh, um, who would I say? Well, like Henry and, and Noso, like guys like that, like uh, Henry Toto and Noso, since we were talking about them earlier, they had consistent uh, consistency throughout the years playing. Nothing really like eye popping, like you know, to project them all the way into the first round. But maybe after like, uh, especially Noah coming in as the number one linebacker, and then you know he had some injuries, but he still he racked up the tackles. There. He did what he was supposed to do. Um, nothing exciting that would push him to the first round. Maybe before the combine, he was maybe like fourth round, third round. And now maybe he'll stick around into the second round, you know, second round, third round. It's important for guys like that um, to come out here and show just people will see them play on the field, want to draft them. Um, now they know athletically on paper that whatever they did on the field either matches or maybe they're not. Maybe the potential, there's more potential behind what you were doing on the field now. And they can see that with the workouts. So, um, yeah, that's what the combines for. Uh, yeah, I think they prove that. The well, another thing we talked about Lions coach Dan Campbell saying he didn't really care about the the drills on the field, and like I I can see that because I've also heard that the the stuff that happens at the combine can be can be like thrown away just like if it confirms what your scouting has done, then it's right. like good. Okay, yeah, we knew that was gonna happen. We already do that. Now it's confirmed. It adds to our case. But if it's like right. If Anthony Richardson ran like a four or seven, you you could still look at his tape and be like, well, maybe he just had an off combine day. You know, it's in a, you know, it's just a combine. It's not really. So there's ways to justify good or bad performances, but right. it definitely helps uh, your case and your draft stock and your paycheck if you do good in these big, you know, m- most these big, bigly shit. In these high view, damn it, where a lot of people are watching. <laughs> Yo, there's a lot of eyeballs on this event, a lot of right. people, a lot of media. So if yeah, you do good here, if you show out here, if you have good stories here, that's going to get to people's phones, screens, yeah. 
it's that's, true. The, that's the information that's going to get to them. That I'm pretty works. sure the word you're looking for was a high profile event, but that works. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was looking for like a, it was like one of those words that's perfect for the situation, the timing, the tense of it. No, I feel it. Yeah, I feel it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, no, like then, so, like the forty yard dash. And I'm also uh, a victim of it because you watch it and it's so exciting. Like you're thinking, especially size-wise, like like I said again, um, Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia, um, there was a D-tackle also. He ran like a 4-6 and he were like, uh, I think it's the kid from um, uh, Pittsburgh, ironically, who uh, is where uh, Aaron Donald went and the kid tested Again, this is probably like OD, but he tested his numbers were just slightly better than Aaron Donald's at the, at the combine. So uh, I think his name is Kalijah Kelsey. Better just, testing than just a little bit. Like the numbers were like like up, some were like point something better. Like his forty, I think, was like really? I think he uh, I think Aaron Donald ran like a, maybe a four seven or four six, and he ran like a four six or a four five, like just a point second faster than him. Uh, shuttle run stuff like that, which just a little bit better. Uh, and he's about the same size as Aaron Donald, so just again, no, and stronger. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> at, at the combine, I'm not. I didn't say that. The combine did. <laughs> uh, um, those stats, yeah. man. Those stats can really. I mean, I don't the, think they can hurt you as much as they can really help you if you show out. Right. So the, like, it's the 40 yard dash. I think that's the worst one at the combine because everybody watches it. This is exciting. Yeah. And, and it's, it's been quick. blown so much out of proportion. Because mm -hmm. speed does the speed does kill, but uh, when you're playing in the league where everybody's fast, it kind of it kind of balances out. Like if you don't know how to use that speed, like everybody was like, "Oh, Tyreek Hill is all speed." Nobody knows how to get open. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like he's just running a fade route or a streak and running by everybody. The guy knows how to use his speed. So, like if you run like a four two, which only one person did in the draft of uh, the combine this year. DJ Turner out of Michigan, around a four two seven. Um, he's a DB out of Michigan. And so, okay, well, he's another good example. Like he was a good corner, but he wasn't like uh talked about to go in the first two rounds. Game in, ran a game in, came in, ran a four two seven forty, and now people are protecting him to be like um early, uh, late late first day, not necessarily the first round. Late first day, early second day. Oh no, it's just one. Um, the first day is just the first round now. Oh, is it? It's not the first and second round. Oh, okay. So now it's just the first round on Thursday night, and then Friday afternoon it's the second and third, and then all day Saturday it's four through seven. Okay. Well, then yeah, if that's the case, then he's now projected to go like early for second day, and like you know, what I mean, like. Anywhere from there to like, but just the second day. Whereas before that, he was probably just projected day to three. go like, like it's, yeah, like late second day, early third day, maybe. But you know, that's and that's where the 40 helps guys like that because he's a DB. But for like quarterback, when you I mean, said record, when you said a record time, I think right. that speaks to like people just looking at the potential, like, oh, wow. Or well, they have a problem in their division where they have hella fast people, so they need. A fast DB, and they're like, he could fix our Tyreek Hill problem. True. Maybe he goes to the Patriots or the maybe not the Patriots, but 
<laughs> somebody in the AFC East that's tired of getting burnt by Jalen Waddle and Tyreek. So, I mean, the that's the upside to running the 40 before you're drafted. And then the downside is, like you said, a record setting for John Ross. And and I'm sure it's because he's had injuries. There's a lot of stuff that go into guys where they don't really pan out to what you think they were going to be. And so I'm not going to say that he wasn't as good as his 40 time or whatever he did in the in the in the combine. But John Ross is also well, a cautionary tip. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was just gonna say just I looked at the top seven uh, speeds ever recorded at the combine, and I only knew I mean I knew some of them, but the only ones that played and did anything were Chris like Johnson, Chris, Chris Johnson, and then oh Tariq Woolen, who's only been in the league for a year. I mean, so, I mean, but you're forgetting the greatest of all time, though. And, of course, I'm going to be biased when I say this because he's probably my favorite football player of all time. And his recorded time is probably unofficial. Uh, it's, we'll say it's unofficial. But uh, Bo Jackson is... <laughs> Bo Jackson ran a 4-2? 4-1. Oh. Unofficial. Was it unofficial. at a Nike event? No, it was at the uh, Auburn Pro Day. At his Auburn Pro Day. Where they didn't have all the electronic times, which you know, I mean, there's stories. And if you ever watch Bo Jackson's Thirty for Thirty, and just for context, I've been a Bo Jackson fan way before this, since I was a kid. He's been my favorite player. Before he ran but a four one. Before he, before I knew he ran a four one. Oh um, um, yeah. There's stories of him coming out of Alabama, running a, a four flat. Like get out. I'm no, I'm not kidding. If you ever watched him on the field too in the NFL, I mean, I mean, it might be. Go look at some of the clips. Um, like he, yeah. there's a clip where he is it Seattle, and he just I think it's like a 92, 96 yard run, and he goes into the uh, the tunnel. Like he just runs and continues running on in through the tunnel, and it's probably one of the more famous runs ever. Like you can tell, man, he is fast. Yeah. Like, but so even the uh Dion Dion was rumored to run also like a a four one four one seven something like that. I'm also close to a four flat. There's guys that have been that fast, but getting away from what we were talking about, yes, there's only been a few, like you said, uh, we all know because Chris Johnson had an amazing career. Um, it fizzled out fast, but it also started fast because that dude was nice for Tennessee. CJ2K? Uh, and, yeah. First player to uh, 2,000 yards. Yeah, and we were just me, me, telling Noah, me and Noah and, and, and Junior were just talking about this because he was so OD on the Madden. Like if you had him, you use him on that. Well, like, Jackson Tech Mobile. Oh, Paul Jackson, that's unbeatable. Yeah. yeah. Um, you said uh, Tariq Woolen, who's also his career hasn't really taken off yet. It's early, but yes, John Ross, John Ross came in the combine, killed the forty, uh, and then um, just didn't. He hasn't ever put any. Consistency since drafted by Cincinnati, right? Yeah, not even as a kick returner, you know. Yeah, so that's tough. Like, that's tough. But I mean, there's been combine warriors um, going way back at a defensive end out of uh, Ohio State, uh, Golston. I forgot his first name, but the Jets, Jets, Vernon Golston, the Jets drafted him. If you go back and look at his combine. He had like the combine that you wanted to. Everybody wanted to have a combine just like him. Um, you had guys like Tony Menderwich coming out of uh, what Tony Man? I think Washington. Steve Entman, another one who had a great from the University of Washington. 
there's a lot of guys like combine like monsters that also performed well in or that made it to the NFL. Yeah, yeah. not only drafted, but like were Steve Edmund fizzled out because he he was a just a like a a modern day giant when he came out of college because he was huge, but also he found out that he was using steroids. (laughs) And when he finally when he came back, he had an all right career, but. You could tell that the steroids did a lot for him. <laughs> they did a lot of the heavy lifting. And then uh, Steve <laughs> Edmond also came in. He had a decent career, but he wasn't great. Vernon Golston just had a shitty career. <laughs> like, he didn't have such like, a great of a career. He didn't make but, it onto the field, right? I hate, I no, hate no, he played. Because it makes it look like the combine doesn't, shouldn't be taken right, seriously. Right. If, like, the guys that are testing the best in these right. exercises and drills. Right aren't performing at all. But it just goes to show that, I mean, it, it takes a lot more than being athletic to play a sport. Mm, yeah. Or Sorry, sorry, to be great at a sport. Yeah. You know? Because then you guys got, you got guys that came in, like, if you saw Joe Montana coming out of Notre Dame when he was coming out of college, you would have never thought he would have had the career he had. Like, you know, uh, Drew Brees, smaller guy on the smaller side, come out, have a great career. Uh, Doug Flutie, another guy who come in, and yeah, he was a journeyman for a while uh, playing in the NFL, and then he had a couple of good seasons. Still, you know, great great quarterback. Guys like that. Um, Jerry Rice didn't run the greatest 40 coming out of uh, college. Right. All the, the greatest, all the goats were like right. so-so at um, the combine. And I'm not going to say this cause, just because he's a Raider, but Devontae Adams also isn't super blazing fast, but he runs the best routes. There's Anytime he makes a move, you see there's at least one or two DBs in the back that eat his first move. Like they're like, oh, and then you're like, oh shit. And that's why he's double covered. Because the second guy is like, oh, he didn't eat it. But the first guy ate it. He's all the way on the other side of the field. <laughs> you so, get him if he goes that way. I'll get right. him if he goes that way. <laughs> right. And you know, this guy's like that. Uh Keenan Allen, another guy, a big guy coming out of uh Cal. People were like, Oh, he doesn't run a great 40. Oh, he's so consistent. You know, he catches everything, you know. Just Travis Kelsey, first down machine. Like he gets open no matter what. I don't care. You put three people on him, he's gonna find a way. He'll he'll get open. Guys like that. Late also another late pickup, a tight end. Um uh, what is San Francisco's tight end's name again? George Kittle. <laughs> George Kittle, sorry, George Kittle. Not that you know me or anything. Um <laughs> <laughs> not that not that you care about sorry Georgie. Right. But uh yeah, George Kittle, uh coming out of Iowa. You saw him too. Um when coming out, he was small, super small. Like just some of these guys are just doing great. And at the combine, sometimes, even if it's just an average uh combine you have, workout you have, it just goes to show you that no, he belongs in the league. And when he get when he gets into the league, like everybody else at the combine, still has so much work to put in. So it's great that some of these guys have are super athletic, that they test a little bit better than everybody else or a lot better than everybody else, but you still have the same amount of work to do that everybody you're working out with has to do. You know, because none of you, yeah, maybe you're guaranteed to start, but it doesn't guarantee you're going to be great. Yeah. So what, just, okay. what else goes into being a good football player, your coaches, your teammates, so your that's, opponents. That's all part of the game, but also the way you're coached, how well you're going to take the coaching. 
if some of these guys are going to have great workouts, they'd be like, man, I, and this is not everybody, and I don't know if it's like that, but I do know some people who have been told they've been, they, they're, they've been great their whole life. And when they get somewhere where they need to be coached, you can't coach them because someone's been telling them their whole life that, oh, man, it's you're good, man. The way you do it is good. You, you don't need that. The way you do it is good. And if you're um, not going to take coaching well, well that's what's going to happen. That, yeah, this looking, just hearing you list off some of the greatest NFL players of all time and that they didn't have their best combine, like they didn't lead their position groups in the, in the combine testing, I think goes to show over time, even with plenty of examples, that the combine doesn't determine whether you will be successful. It just kind of shows your physical potential. Right. And another thing that I've heard is that um, like really good NFL superstars are usually four or five star athletes, like physically athletes um, in high school. Right. Like if they're going to be super great, they were probably really good versus regular kids when they were going to school. For sure. Um, Another example of what you were saying is in you mentioned Keenan Allen, uh, former the San Diego Chargers, now L.A. Chargers uh, wide receiver. Uh, He was drafted in 2013 in the third round. And the two picks that the Chargers had in front of them in the first and second were used on uh, DJ Fluker, right tackle. And Alabama. I Alabama, be great right? Too. I like that. I was like, yeah, I hell did. yeah, we got a Bama tackle? Right. About to be great. DJ Fluker he was, left the team. He was huge. Right, yeah, he was huge. <laughs> huge, right? Tested well, tested strongly. Um, yeah, he dealt with his share of, of injuries, but also when he was in there, didn't do enough to, to keep the job. Uh, in the second round, the Chargers picked a linebacker out of Notre Dame, Manti Teo. Um, I, I think that's a special case, though. <laughs> <laughs> a couple years later, uh, he left the Chargers. He started playing with the Saints. Uh, you can see what he's been up to on Netflix on the Untold. Uh, right, right. I think I think we can I think we can give him an asterisk because I think he, he has some stuff going that. on. I think he has some stuff going on, and I think that uh, I think that equated to him not really being there mentally. So I, I really wish he could have a do-over. I wish there was a time machine where he'd go back and maybe not go through some of those things, and maybe we could have seen how great he could have been without some of the um, situations yeah. that he was in. But hey. How bad is the talent at Notre Dame that he said, I don't want none of y'all. I'm sticking with my girl in California who I've never met. But so... <laughs> You know what? We're not even going to get into this because it's going to turn into a whole other show. Oh, yeah, anyway, yeah. so you, you you have those two guys, but uh, the Raiders had Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> the Raiders had Jamarcus Russell. They had Rolando McLean. We even took a flyer on uh, Trent Richardson after the Colts let him go. This was in 2013? Uh, no, no. Oh. Well, actually, uh, this is just, this is over his span. I think I was in Samoa, right, when Jamarcus Russell got picked. Yeah, yeah, which was sad because even I was, like, potentially, I was like, oh, cool, but he had one great year, but okay. But the potential 
Right, but the combine. Look how far he, he can throw it. Look how big threw, and strong he is. Yeah, he threw it like ninety yards. <laughs> Yo, but, uh, like some of those fake videos where quarterbacks are throwing it out of the stadium, but Jamar right, no. Russell, it looked like, like he could do it. I was like, that made me think for a second. I was like, yeah. oh, is this fake or not? Right. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, no, there's you. You can throw a rock left, right, front, back for a lot of teams and hit like six of these guys. Each way, <laughs> but you could also throw a rock the same way and hit guys who uh tested the ways they were supposed to test and had great NFL careers. So, I think more than likely the combine is a great place to evaluate talent because you can see, like you said, like you said before, it, it gives you it validates what you already knew. So, like some of the guys who made it, uh, your scouts came in, or even the um, uh, the upper office, um saw what they saw before the combine. And then when the guys that they were about to drop out to the combine, they were like, oh, no, yeah, we were right then. You know, we're spot on. I think more than likely that's the scenario than it is for a lot of, like, the the workout uh, warriors or as because they call it, what do they call it, the underwear Olympics because you look really good in spandex. <laughs> you know, everybody looks good out there in spandex. Um, I still think, yeah, the combine, as, as bad as it is for a lot of um, – I guess for a lot of guys who fell out of the league or for a lot of teams who drafted guys who didn't reach the potential, I think it's great evaluation for the guys that aren't really seen, but who were good enough to get invited to the combine, you know, um, small schools like uh, North Dakota state, even though they've been winning the championship for, if you look at their division, which is a division below, uh, I know it used to be called Division One, Division One AA, and then Division Two. I think they would be, I think it's like the sub championship division as they call it, would be one AA. Yes. Yeah, and North Not Dakota the State series, the champion. No, yeah, yeah, and North Dakota State has been the best for years. If they've they've either been the champion or the runner for like as long as I can remember. So guys like coming out of that school, um, Appalachian State, another small school. Who has great talent? They have a lot of guys scattered over the NFL, and now you'll have like chances for guys. Even though the HBCUs, I think they have their own combine now, uh, or an event that's like similar to that. Like a pro, but, you know? Yeah. HBCU pro. Yeah, but I I think the combine is good for guys like that too as well. So, so it's going to have its pros and cons. Yeah, and you're going to get these guys that jump out of the gym, like right. Anthony Richardson, right. who secured himself. A, a, somebody might trade up. Somebody might trade away assets just to go up to get the chance to get this. He was, guy. Yeah, he was already top ten, but now. Oh, he's, I didn't know that. I no, thought he, he was back end of the first. No, I thought was, some he, other guys would. By, by the time, by the time the combat, the combat, by the time the combine came around. <laughs> Uh, sorry, the he was already him and Will Levis were already like neck and neck for the third quarterback taken, and um, that was top ten. Both of them were are projected to already go in the top ten because there are so many quarterback needy teams in the top ten, and both had already showed the potential that um, the teams were looking for. Um, so, but now he's spoken about as the number one prospect. A guy who, yeah, yeah, and that's the scary part, you know. Before we go away from this subject, that's the scary part is, uh, 
to the season. He wasn't he was projected at the beginning of the season to go first round. Then, you know, he had a so so season. Then he was projected to drop like into the back of the first round, maybe early second round. And then like people were looking at his potential and going over tapes and seeing the athleticism that he showed at the combine come through on tape. And now he's projected back again into like mid first round. And then right before the first round, right before the combine, they're pushing him into the top 10. And now since the combine, he's projected again to go maybe number one, you know? Overall, he might jump because you got Bryce Young who, you know, measured in shorter than what he was at Alabama, measured in lighter than he was at Alabama. Right. People can make their questions about C.J. Stroud, although I know multiple Raider fans that are like, why don't we get C.J. Stroud? One, because he's probably going to go ahead of where we pick at. Sorry, I keep yeah. saying us, but one, uh, <laughs> I, play for the, I am a fan, but I do not play for the Raiders. Uh, yeah, he's projected to go ahead of the seventh pick that the Raiders have. Um, also, you know, if he does fall that far, I think they will take him. But the Raiders have quarterback is probably their most glaring need. But some fans don't realize that you could build around something else before you get that quarterback. I know everybody wants – you're not going to draft C.J. Stroud and go to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a really big fan of the Raiders. Trust me. What about in the second season, like Joe Burrow? So that's what, uh, that's what I mean. So that's what you want. But a lot of these guys, if you can – I think if they don't get C.J. Stroud or if they don't draft C.J. Stroud, I think you go – I think your, your worst position right now for them would be cornerback. Because one – you might lose Rock Yasin to um, free agency. Rock Yasin wasn't the greatest. He wasn't the greatest cornerback anyway. He's a good cornerback. I'm not saying he wasn't, but he's not going to fix your problems at cornerback. But one of these dudes, like if you build your defense, so you, they have the seventh and the 38th pick. Those are our first two picks. With the potential in the draft and all the guys that they have coming, all the prospects, the draft looks so good this year. Um, at every position almost. Maybe interior offensive lineman, uh, there's a couple guys, but for cornerback, which the Raiders need, there's at least four cornerbacks who could go in the top, if you wanted to, in the top ten. Um, Gonzalez out of Oregon, uh, he's projected the first cornerback taken. Hit between him and Weatherspoon coming out of Illinois. Then you have Deontay uh, Banks coming out of Maryland, who after this draft, after the combine, sorry, after the combine has is just shooting up everybody's board right now. Like, you know, he was probably projected uh first day of the second round, uh, then slowly into late second round. Now they're talking about him taking being taken before uh Weatherspoon uh in the draft. And I think the first the first place Gonzalez has been projected is with the Raiders at seven, which is early. And then uh, Weatherspoon could go as early as I think two picks after that, and then Banks, and then um, uh, Joey Porter out of uh, Penn State would be the fourth one. And so it's crazy if you could build that. And then at the 38th pick, um, I think maybe we could get the Raiders could get that D tackle out of Pittsburgh, Kalijah, uh, Kelsey, I think his last name is. Uh, but my thing is, like, yeah, I, I know a lot of people, it's not like you can just go into the draft and be like, let's go get Stroud. Okay, go get Stroud, and then what? 
you're going to trade up and what are you going to give up for Stroud? I'm not saying he's not worth it, but because your team has so many needs, why would you not want to build those needs? You know what I mean? You could get you would need somebody to slip to you at seven, not to trade it up. Because you guys are at seven, right? Right. What was that? Yeah, seven. Seventh overall. Yeah. Real quick, would you uh if these quarterbacks fell to you at number seven, would you take them? Bryce Young. Yes. CJ Stroud. Yes. Anthony Richardson. Potentially. Will Levis. No. You take a different position. Yeah. Even if he's there, no one else wanted him, and you didn't have to trade up. Potentially, but no. Like, I'm leaning more towards no with Will Levis. And not because I don't think he's a great quarterback. I just think if you're, if you're going to take Anthony Richardson at seven uh, with all that potential, it's a hit or miss. And I don't mind hitting or missing. But if you take Will Levis, you've seen him play. He had the one great junior, like I said, another great junior season. And people say, well, he didn't have his receiver going into his senior year. Well, maybe you should have made another receiver better. That's your job. You know, like you, you're the quarterback. Yeah. You got all that talent. But then pick another receiver and make him just as good as the guy that left. Him. And he or was it, or was it that receiver that you that were make, relying on, and you can't do it without him? Right. Yeah, I think the potential that um, the combine really shows, and the ability to compare that data to other people in the same draft class, and then historical data from the drafts before, has really turned the the draft into. Just a cool data collection thing, but it's not, it really, it doesn't really determine the success that this, this person is going to have it. That is them and their situation. And football's a crazy game. Like even the good players don't make it onto the field sometimes because of whatever else, but for the, for the, for the combine and it's a showcase. It's a showcase and he showcased that he can jump at the gym. And now a bunch of people are going to be dreaming over the next month of what their team's offense could be if they only had, you know, a quarterback who could throw it 70 yards with a flick of a wrist, who could leave deep, like, linebackers and DNs in the dust and just take off, who can't, who can't be tackled by the only DBs that could keep up with him. Like, there, people are going to dream of the success they could have if only they had Anthony Richardson. And one team might even, you know, trade up and just say, fuck it, we're, we're going to go get our guy, maybe trade up to one, two or whatever. But <clears throat> it's a showcase and he showed out. I want to, before we get to the franchise tags, Lamar Jackson, uh, the New York Giants, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, I want to go from Anthony Richardson to another young phenom who's shooting up the league, John Morant. What is going on? Look, man, like, I've never met John Warren. I don't know how he grew up. I don't know. Um, I don't really know anything personal about him. I do know. And this kid is not a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who was I talking to? Jesus, who was I talking to yesterday? Um, but uh, someone was saying that they were talking to guys in the league. Um, oh, sorry, I was talking to Will. I was talking to Will, and and um, he saw 
I forgot who was talking about it, but oh, sorry, Carmelo Anthony. So when he got suspended, Will was saying that the story uh he had an interview and Carmelo said that um David Stern, who was probably one of the better commissioners of any league, I think personally, um, told him that look, we're gonna have to suspend you when he took that long suspension when he was younger. And he said, This is we already know, you know, I mean, we already know what happened with you. Um we just gotta make an example of you because we've we've known what you've been doing. We have people watching you, so whatever you've been doing, we know. And that's that's that is the these guys that get drafted, they don't understand that you're you're working for somebody. You're working for the NFL, you're working for the NBA, you're working for the MLB. Doesn't matter what profession you're in, you're also working for them and you're working for those teams. You don't think that they're gonna research and look after their investments, especially because you do so. You're 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 Will brought it up. Um, him and his father were shooting a Gatorade commercial. They were about to be the first um really sponsored Gatorade athletes since Michael Jordan. Like that's how big the campaign was gonna be. Not to say it's not going to happen. Um, Nike just gave him his own um, shoe, a signature shoe, which was about to kill, like, you know, um, what else? What else is he doing? There's so much things he's doing that, and again, before we even continue, I'm not saying he's a bad guy or, you know what I mean, like he doesn't deserve some of these things. He's put in work. I'm pretty sure he's had struggles. His family had struggles. Not, not. I'm not saying money struggles or anything like that. I'm saying just the way everybody getting into the league, they weren't at the league before. None of, and he's never had this type of money. Again, not an excuse for. I'm just saying. But, but Michael Rappaport. He reposted the the Eminem Eight Mile. Right, I saw that. Thing, and it, it kind of lined up the it, way it lined it up. It, it lined Mama up. Rant went to a private school, lived in the suburbs, had two great parents. You know, and another thing is, uh, Will brought this up. Demetrius, he's his dad's out here on the court trying to be his best friend. He's supposed to be guiding him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And let's, and if you let's start, let's just state out what John Morant, what's going on with John Morant. So the first hey. the first thing is. Um, before the other allegations came out, there was a game they played uh, against Phoenix, and he had uh, I think he had a little scuffle with someone on the court, and then the coaching staff they were drawing back and forth. One of his friends, who should be privileged to even be at the game, got up from his seat and started uh, wanting to fight with the staff, the Phoenix staff. So he's ejected. He can't watch a home game anymore. So they escorted him out. And at the end of the game, um, the Phoenix Suns are getting onto their bus and the staff see a laser being shot into their bus, allegedly, again. <laughs> but, I mean, the Phoenix Suns staff, the players, they have video of it. So there's a laser potentially coming from the SUV that John Morant is riding. You know, and so everybody's like, well, that's scary because it could be a gun. You know, and yeah. so that's that was how all this started to come up. The second allegations before came up, is that John Morant beat up a, uh, is it a 12-year-old kid, 13-year-old kid, I think, uh, and brandished a gun at him. You know, and so that's another one. Yo, okay. Um, so I just looked 
is the what is the team you said? It was the Pacers. Uh, okay, Pacers. that the laser, the laser right. thing happened, and right. it was at a, a yeah, at a Grizzly game and a Memphis at a Grizzly game. game. Yeah, and then the the beating up the teenager. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, John Morant hosts like a pickup game at his house, and reportedly, allegedly, this kid threw a ball at his head. Is what he tells the cops, right? right? So when the when the kid throws the ball at his head, John Morant says, "I am now defending myself," and then fought the kid. Uh, the kid says, in the police report uh, where they're asking him questions, I like watched him listen to the thing. The kid says, "We it was a real tight game." Uh, John Morant hard checked the ball. You know when someone's being an yeah. asshole and yeah. throws the ball at you, it's like, check, motherfucker! Like, and so he threw it back at him. It slips through Jaw's hands and hits him on the chin. That sounds more like the truth. That's, I mean, yeah, I've seen that in basketball, right? And like a lot, I've seen a lot less someone fucking baseball throwing a basketball at someone's head and connecting. Uh, and I've seen a lot more balls just slip through hands <laughs> and fucking hit people in the face. Uh, the kid then says, John Morant comes chest to chest, puts his chin on his shoulder, right? And as he has his chin on the kid's shoulder, he's looking at, John Morant is looking at John's friend and says, should I do it to him? And the friend says, oh, you got to. And he said, I got you. And he swings on him, knocks him down. The kid covers up. They hit him a bunch more times, multiple times. They put a knot on his head. The mom takes the kid, reports it. Uh, on his on the kid's way out to the car, he says John Morant exits the house with a gun in his waistband and is lifting up his shirt. John Morant tells the cops the kid left screaming, I'm going to come back and air this shit out like fireworks. The cops have tried to get statements from other people at the pickup game. Mike Miller was also there. You know, Mike, remember Mike yeah. Miller? He was, oh, he's, he, he was one of my favorite players. Yeah. No statements have been collected. No one's come forward to say anything about what happened there. But because there's no corroborate corroboration, no charges have been filed. Uh, before, I don't know if it was before or after that basketball game, but also in a parking lot, uh, him and his group were asked to leave. And then beat up a security, like a mall security guard, and then drove off. Um, John Morant was quoted as saying, Oh, let me find out what time he gets off. Like he was going to come waiting around and beat him up. What? When did John Morant turn into the fucking head of like a gang? And, and so that's not even the, like, that's all really bad. But this next one, like, this isn't just. It isn't bad in the sense that he hurt somebody or anything like that. It's bad because you're a fucking idiot now. You're on a live video in a club and you're flashing a gun. Right. And after all this, now on Instagram so, Live. Now you're going to try to defend yourself? You pick <laughs> up the butt and just show off a little gun with uh, fucking club lights on your face and laughing about it. And then that he's had that one celebration on the bench where he was just like, bah, 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 just right. shooting the gun like a rifle off, like bro, chill out, man. Why are you? I feel 
See, and you know what? You, you, you know, about to fuck your money up. The worst part of this whole thing is now there are stories coming out from people who like uh, either no job or ask for an autograph or like you know fan stuff or some of the people that know him that are makes out him look better. That he's an asshole in real no! life. No. <laughs> that he's an asshole in real life. <laughs> Damn it. Here, there was that one. There was that one video. I don't know if it was a couple months or a year ago, but he, him, and his friends are eating at like a diner or something at a restaurant, and he leaves a five hundred dollar tip. Right. And she's like, "Who are you? You play football or something?" He's like, "I play basketball." I seen that one. Yeah. That I mean, even rewatching that now, I'm looking back at it like, "Oh, is this just?" To get some shit on record that he's oh look at me giving back again, but even yeah, when like, he was asking the question, he was like, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, and people because he's a kid, he's never had money like that. That's not an excuse. That, you don't and, see everybody that gets millions of dollars or like early in their NBA career just fly off the rails like this, right? And look, I get it, man. Like. Some of the guys you surround yourself with, maybe they've been your homies since day one. Like, but if there was really, if there was really riding with you, they'd be telling you the things that you're doing wrong. They wouldn't be pushing you. Instead of uh, pulling you back into the hood, they should be trying to push you out there. This hood shit. You know what I mean? But no, like the guys around him seem like they're egging your mind. We gotta like, take the hood on the road. Not even that. It's, it's like he's their meal ticket. You know what I mean? Why? Yeah. Why are you fucking up your money? Everybody in that group. Why are y'all fucking up the money? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and and this is and like when you come out of a place like that, um, I don't know if it's just, and I hate to do it, man, but I mean, hey, this is a Polynesian talk show, uh, podcast. So, <laughs> like the kids that come out from American Samoa, man. Apia, Shay from Fiji, man, or kids that were raised in like in those house homes in, in the states out here, you'll see it, man. And and this is why a lot of the Polynesian kids, uh, when they talk about putting the people on their back or on their shoulder, it's not because they're trying to hold the hood up or put the hood up. No, they're trying to carry the hood or they're trying to carry everybody from the islands with them out of those places. Not because we're trying to not. I didn't make it out like that. <laughs> like, like, uh, like Juju. Uh, I I reposted something of um, uh, uh, uh what's the talk host's name? Marcellus um, Wiley, yeah. who's also from the hood in LA. Um, talking about how Juju, he knows Juju's family. He knows where Juju grew up, and he's talking about how you guys are so, uh, like adamant about talking about how corny he is or. Uh, how he'd be playing like a kid and when he could easily be doing the same thing that John's doing, you know, especially from where he's from and some of the people that, that he grew up around with, like his family, and none of those people that he grew up with or his family that, that are probably affiliated uh, around California, whom, again, I don't know. Uh, I don't know them, but um, none of them are pulling him back into the hood or egging him on to do things like that. You know? So if you have a problem with a guy who's out here doing like TikToks or a dude who's like 
there's other guys like who sit at home and uh I know a lot of NBA players who stream and play Twitch. I mean, play Twitch, you play Call of Duty or on Twitch or, you know, just doing like they go out and eat and film stuff like that. If you guys have a problem with them because you think they're corny or, well, no, this is what happens when this is the exact opposite of that. You have younger guys going out and do stuff like stuff like that, trying to, I don't know what Josh trying to prove, honestly. It's weird because you don't have anything to prove anymore. And I know money doesn't always make the best situation for you, but now that you have the money, you can make a better situation for you if you were yeah, in a bad true. one, which you probably weren't growing up. <laughs> I feel like we get all, we get stuck in like our day to day and check to paycheck to paycheck kind of lives that we forget that <clears throat> if we just had $50 million, our oh, lives would be a lot better. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to think that there's literally people who have that much money that could probably give. Um, I forgot where I saw it was a it was a statistic. I think is it Elon Musk? I think if you him or if it was Bill Gates, one of them, if they were to give everybody in the world like a million dollars, they'd still be billionaires. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not that I not that I'm saying go ahead and start giving people a million dollars. That's your money. You earned it. You know you do what you do. But like a million, a billion, so they're quadrillionaires, something like that. I don't I'm thinking seven billion people times a million dollars is seven quintillion. No, no. Anyways, but like so, but back to like John, man. Like, there's other ways. I mean, if you if you're trying to prove something to yourself, uh, or like somebody out there, it's not worth it, man. Like, and the people that surround you, who care for you, are are gonna tell you the the truth. You know, and not egg you on like if you ask somebody if you should do it to them and he's going to respond to you, you got to do it to him. And it's because you're about to smack him. That's not your homie, man. That's <laughs> that's stupid. Yeah. Beat that kid up. <laughs> uh, I'm glad no video has come out. Of uh, that, at least. Yeah, of that. Yeah. Other stuff keeps keep popping up selfishly i'm mad at john morant i'm not like i love seeing the highlights right like his his dunks his slashes you know great player on the court and stuff but we're not gonna get any more john morant highlights if he keeps fucking off like this and gets kicked out of the league or suspended even more he got suspended for two games he's uh been benched indefinitely and they're they're saying a gun on a team plane is at least 50 games suspension. So they're now they're the NBA is like investigating a bunch of the stuff. And uh, I think a bunch of the allegations that went uninvestigated just because they couldn't get people to, you know, confirm them are going to get looked at. Double back. And we're going to be sure. hearing more or finding out more. Someone's going to flip. <clears throat> but, and then and then you have uh dummies like Gilbert Arenas uh quoting stuff like what are they what whatever is John doing isn't you know I mean it's nothing compared to like that's not what he should be hearing, you dumbass. <laughs> Gilbert Arenas also one of those guys that uh were investigated that uh Jarvis Crichton had been kicked out of the league because him and uh Gilbert Arenas I think were uh had guns in the locker room. Yeah. At one time when they were playing with the Wizards, and I think they 
got into a spat and pointed at each other. You know, like, don't, I mean, I don't know. Some of these guys, I think you can be as hood as you want, man, but at some point you're going to have to be like, you know, you've come this far. Like, everybody, well, I got to be who I'm going to be. <laughs> yeah, well, why weren't you that way before? Why is this a new, why does he feel this is you and this is what you're doing? I saw AJ Brown sit down on a podcast. I think it was with a former Titans player um, talking about in Tennessee or in Memphis, there is like he is familiar with some gang activity. And when you're just there, you're you get caught up in it. So, I mean, there's what I, I think whatever the reason is, it's not worth just like chilling and playing ball and just getting millions of dollars. I think that's. That's bullshit, man, because there's a lot of dudes in the league who are probably affiliated or were affiliated with one but there's also a lot of people who are behind them that who are probably still affiliated, that are deep in it, that know better and push them out. Yeah. You know? So if you're somewhere and you like AJ Brown said, if you're if you're affiliated and you think it's too hard to not be a part of it when you're in a certain part of town because you know people in it, then those people are letting you down. And if they're letting you down, now you're going to start letting everybody else down who you're supposed to be riding for, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, and it's up to, it's up to John Morant, like, or to me. Sure. Uh, it's, it's up to, it's up know, to like, yeah. if he wants to continue down this road, that's and unfortunate because means, it's, it, it does affect other people. Like other people are like, oh, cool. And America is already super pro gun culture and like banging right. and all that. But there are people that look up to John Morant and have like his jersey there are and, tons. Yeah. Know, that that are like being influenced by this. But look, if ultimately think, if he decides that's what he wants, he'll be out of the league. Like right. and, and will if, not have those highlights anymore. If you think your talent is so much that nothing's gonna fall back on you, you can do what you want. My guy, there are so many much more guys talented than you that haven't made the league that are looking at you right now and just are so like why him? Why did he get the chance? You know, and if you think that they're not going to throw you away because you're so talented, no, because there's 10 guys waiting to be in your position somewhere, probably not even in high school yet, that are going to be better than you. So, you know what I mean? Take the blessing you got and run with it. Yeah. So yeah. There might be another John Moran, just a, a, a new... I hope there's not another John Moran. <laughs> <laughs> on the court. <laughs> but... Yeah, man. Hopefully he gets a fit. They're talking about sending him to rehab or making sure he has support and stuff. Or whatever. That's fun. Yeah, hey, man. Rehab, rehab for dumb people? Yes, please. He can do judo on Fridays. Whatever helps. We are we're down for it. <laughs> Let's talk about today. We're recording right after the NFL franchise tag deadline. Um, and we do have some NFL teams that decided to exercise their franchise tag. Um, I'm going to list out uh, some of the ones that we won't really go over, but <clears throat> uh, Dallas tagged Tony Pollard. Mm. Um, and the franchise tag is the average of the top 10 or five uh, salaries mm. at your position. Um, but you're, you get paid, you get a big pay bump, but you're forced to stay with your team and you're not able to explore free agents. Negotiated too. Yeah. Unless, unless you get a special version of the franchise tag, which is called the non-exclusive franchise tag, in which case right. you can explore trades with other teams. And if those teams want to sign you, 
uh, your original team can match the offer. Uh, but if they do let you walk to that other team, that other team has to give you two first round picks or they, your or the league gives you first two first round picks. I don't know. I think you it's two. two yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have to trade him? Yeah. Do, do a sign and trade. You get, uh, what are they called? Compensatory. Compensatory pick? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's so that that'd be I a big so. difference, right? Like if you, I think it's two compensatory picks that you get. Dang. Okay. So you get two first round picks from the league. So those are like what 33, 33 yeah, at the back end of the okay. yeah. Um, but most of the time, uh, the exclusive franchise tag uh, means you have to stay with your team another year, uh, even if you want to leave. But they have to pay you the average of the top five salaries, or. 120% of your last contract, whichever is greater. So there was a time when the uh, Washington franchise tagged, uh, what's his name, Kirk Cousins, like two or three times, and he kept just getting up. It just <laughs> kept going. And, and quarterbacks are already paid more. Like the difference in the franchise tag. Yeah. Because they're different. From a quarterback positions. to a running back, yeah. Running back's franchise tag is $10 million. That's a lot, right? Top right. of the top yeah. five average. 32 million for the quarterback franchise tag. So over three times the running back is how much a quarterback is worth in case you're running the numbers. Um, And then there's a different, like a transition tag that it's whatever. All right. So the, the teams that exercise their franchise tags, the Dallas Cowboys are keeping Tony Pollard, 10 million. Uh, The Raiders keeping Josh Jacobs. Yes, sir. um, when they could have had him for a fifth year. Never mind, we're moving past that. Uh, the Commanders are not letting defensive tackle Deron Payne walk. He got tagged. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, franchise tagged tight end Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before the franchise tag deadline, the New York Giants got a four-year, $160 million deal done with their quarterback, Daniel Jones, which allowed them to then use the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. And then we will start, however, with the Ravens placing the franchise tag, the non-exclusive franchise tag, on quarterback Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson is either going to get paid $32 million this year to hang out with the Ravens, or he's going to find another team and he's going to pay him more. Who's going to pay him more? Guarantee his contract, maybe? And then uh, maybe if they do, the Ravens still want to keep him, pay him more. They can match. So whatever contract he gets somewhere else needs to be way up there to, so right. that the Ravens won't feel like they can just match it and make him stay. So right. if you sign like a five, it like a five-year, two hundred seventy million dollar, whatever. I'm just throwing numbers out there. But if you sign a mega deal like that, and they're like, yeah, you can stay here for five years, two hundred seventy million or something like that. But I think the big, the biggest part is that off of the precedent of Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, who was paid two hundred plus million dollars. And whose contract is fully guaranteed? <clears throat> Lamar Jackson is like, y'all don't think I'm as good as Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson? Jump, yeah, and cause and then, a lot less drama. Uh, and also, I think uh, 
Ryan Clark on the, uh, one of the morning sh uh, shows was saying that how uh, it's probably a lot of the team owners also just like coming together and they're going to try to just like screw Lamar Jackson over on the money he should be getting and stuff like that. So wait, hmm. other, other owners are like saying we, you telling the Ravens owner, he shouldn't resign Lamar Jackson or I wasn't, uh, I was listening to it right before we got on. So I didn't hear the full part, but I know Ryan Clark is saying that some of the owners are colluding to where I think, uh, they gave him the non-exclusive knowing that, um, all of them That's weren't going to try. Yeah. So like, they're just, it's just about how much, uh, other people think that Lamar Jackson is worth compared to the Ravens not wanting to pay him and other NFL owners just kind of like an old boys network, you know, all uh, just, so I don't know. I, yeah, I'm going to start, uh, try to look that up. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Um, Lamar Jackson I, I think, is a top ten quarterback easily. Uh, he's an easily, MVP. easily. He is a young quarterback. What is he in his first contract? Yeah, which wasn't a big contract either because he was a he was thirty second pick. Yeah, they barely made it to the back end of the draft for him, um, or to the back end of the first round of the draft uh to trade up and try to get him lamar jackson has said on draft night albeit um that the ravens were going to get a super bowl out of him so maybe they'll they'll get some picks that turn into a quarterback or something but yeah what that would you guarantee uh fully guarantee a contract or did the browns just kind of screw over everyone who needs to re-sign a quarterback because the Chargers also have to resign a quarterback. A bunch, not just Lamar Jackson, a bunch of people's contracts are starting yeah. to come up. Yeah, they will be coming up. Uh, and is is this the new – I mean, not everybody took fully guaranteed money. Derek Carr, oh, I don't know how we missed that. Derek Carr signed with the Saints, um, was it four years, four-year contract? Yeah. Um, so there, there are still contracts being made at the quarterback position that don't yeah, automatically that? jump to these big – we're going to guarantee you $200 million. But I got to say, Lamar Jackson is probably looking at him like, why don't y'all want me as much as they want him? Like, right. he's a weirdo. Like, why? And like, wait, who's, who's Derek Carr? <laughs> Damn. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm happy for him, man. He deserves it. He's, he's a really, like, if you see him off the field, man, all the interviews and stuff like that, and he's a great guy off the field. So I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that he was able to sign somewhere and get. I think he's gonna get uh, when all is said and done, it's over a hundred mil. So good. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. He also gets to go from having to face Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert to having See, to face this Kyle is my thing. Rask and Desmond right. Ritter. This is my thing, man. As when he was the Raiders quarterback, and not just the fans because there were fans, but I'm talking about all these analysts and all these reporters talking about. You know, he wasn't that great of a quarterback. He's an average quarterback. He'll never uplift the Raiders. I don't know what it has to do with the team as a whole, but the Raiders weren't that bad. He moves to New Orleans, and the odds on New Orleans going to the Super Bowl shoot something. <laughs> like, it's like, it's ridiculous. Like, okay, all of a sudden he's a, a top 10 quarterback to some of these guys. So, you know, I mean, it's funny. And that's what I'm saying about, like, for poor Lamar Jackson, you can do all you want on the field. But ultimately, it's these fools that are sitting in the front office that are going to dictate. You know, we all know that Lamar Jackson is worth more 
than what the Ravens are trying to give him. And I know it's a business, but man, what a ruthless business it is because the kid does deserve more. And he played, he, he went there, he played you know, through injuries and stuff like that, uh, played out his rookie contract, never, never once a year, he didn't even complain about things, really. Um, I know there are, I know some people were like, well, he got cocky. Okay. Because he knew how much he was worth. I get it. Maybe you should stay a little bit more humble, but has nothing to do with your contract. <laughs> has nothing to do with your contract. But, uh, yeah, like, that's that's tough, man, how these guys can dictate stuff like that. And and now he hit, well, also, maybe you should get a better agent. <laughs> you know? He doesn't have an agent. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I know you want. Mom is his listed agent. Uh <clears throat> that's tough, man, because there are things agents can do. And I'm not saying that like, you shouldn't explore trying to be your own agent because that does cut out a middleman. You don't have to pay a yeah. uh, percentage and stuff like that. But there are things that your agent is uh, not only qualified to do, but he's educated to do. Yeah. You know, that's that's his job or that's her what are, job. What are some, like, contract talks or, like, relationships? Relationships? Like, what do you just, think, like, an agent can better than his mom like you you could make the argument that no one's gonna look out for you more pure than your mom right no, no, no. your mom yeah. obviously isn't as versed in million in, dollar contracts right. in the NFL. incentives uh or like even i mean and you hate to say it, even like these back deals some of these guys make you know what i mean to get him more money because maybe it'll get your agent more money i feel like yeah. the agents like can sometimes take concessions on stuff that you want as a player just to get a deal done so that they can cash out. Cause that's how they get a percentage, right? right. Let me rack right. it up here, but let me also get a deal done. That is not necessarily the best for what my client thinks he wants, but you know, something that, that is, is actually going to get done. Cause right, right now they're just like, Look, no, here is what we think you should pay me, and if it's not going to be that, then get out of here. Right? There's and no negotiating. No, there's not, and, and it's hard because he's uh, he also has you pay your agent to do things that you shouldn't be dealing with because you're still a player, and maybe you should be like you could be I don't know have a vacation if you wanted to, or uh, or be out working out, you know, just getting better because he got hurt at the tail end of the season. So now he's super stressed because he's got to deal with this. And okay, I don't know if he's stressed though. Yeah. But, I'm saying yeah. you don't have to be stressed, right? Right. You can just tell him this is what right. you need to pay me, or else I'm gonna go find a job. Right. A or I'm gonna, yeah. So and then this comes along, and now you are not. I hate to say it, you're so much more talented than a lot of guys. But again, you are the player; these guys are the owners. If it comes to a contract negotiation, anything like that, without an agent, I think they still have so much leverage because there's other owners who they're connected to. And maybe the teams that you want to go to or the teams you were thinking of going to, maybe they're not going to help you out as much as they're going to help the owner out because they know if they help the owner out, it's all better for all the owners, you know, as a whole. Uh, But I feel like it only would take one quarterback needy owner to say, you know what? We'll take Lamar Jackson. Here's $250 million guaranteed over the next four years. It, I mean, hey, it's possible because, look, the Browns took a rapist. 
That's what I'm saying. And they fully guaranteed his contract. I just saw something actually on Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio that they can change the way his contract is structured. I'm not sure if that affects the fully guaranteed part of it, which is a large, like, linchpin in the whole thing of his contract that they get. Deshaun Watson, a fully guaranteed multi-hundred million dollar contract. That's crazy. But now it sets the precedent for other quarterbacks and it's just like it made it really easy for Lamar to be like okay that's what the bar is then pay me that make me number one that maybe but if you're saying like you really care about me the way I've been putting my body on the line for this franchise then just do that and if not I'm gonna be training over here getting ready for my next team I'm gonna be on vacation throwing some balls like I can I can see Lamar Jackson's No, definitely because we as uh people and fans we're always gonna be more on the side of the players, not always be on the side of the players because you know we're watching them play. We know how good they are, we know and as our teams uh or as fans of the teams that that, that they play for, we wanna have them on our team because we do think they make us better. But then as owners and guys who are behind the owners, you're gonna think too like uh, when was the last time Lamar Jackson won a playoff game? Or when was the last time Lamar Jackson took a team to the Super Bowl? You know, or how much better? As Yeah, Lamar Jackson put up all these numbers, but what what do those numbers equate to in wins and losses for the team? So, you know, I get it. I'm on Lamar Jackson's side. Like, I, I really do think he deserves a bigger contract. But the contract that he deserves, I think he deserves. But, again, you're – your leverage only goes so far as to another team agreeing with you. You know? Like, is there another team out there who's going to agree with you? Who's going to want to pay you that money? If a, might sec- if a second team gives a quarterback fully guaranteed contract, then it's for sure precedent. It's set. Right. Everything from going right. forward from that. Any top-tier you know, young superstar Madden X Factor quarterback is going right. to demand. You know, you got to give me a fully guaranteed contract. They're giving right. it to Lamar. They're giving it to Deshaun. Like Patrick Mahomes right. is going to be. I mean, he might just have made enough money where he doesn't have to like push I'm, that. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. I think um, Patrick Mahomes is cool. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has made his contract is ten years, half a billion dollars. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. <laughs> He's going to be all right. Um, yeah, I'm. I hope that the you know what? I hope Lamar Jackson leaves the Ravens and goes somewhere else where nah, I don't care what they pay him. I hope he gets what he wants. But just hey, because man. the Ravens have fucked this up and that their general manager was talking shit about the receivers during the combine, he was right? like, why Why haven't you guys uh, had any success drafting receivers? He's like, we drafted a bunch of receivers. They just, you know, you know, not great. Well, we're gonna keep trying, and we're gonna keep drafting receivers, and hopefully, we'll get a really good one someday. And Rashad Bateman was like, "Fuck you!" Exactly. You're trying to blame the receivers and the quarterback. Why don't you blame the people that put us in these positions? And yeah, yeah. it's going I down mean, in in Baltimore. I have to be a yeah, but I'm with you, man. I hope that he leaves. The Ravens too. You know, I'm hoping he leaves the Ravens. Cause <laughs> would he be? What What does Lamar Jackson in a number eight jersey in Vegas look like? Ooh, I mean, the system that they put around him, 
the guys that he's going to have to throw to. And again, I'm not the GM for the Ravens. I'm not bashing the Ravens uh, receiving corps because I think Rashad Bateman is actually pretty good. Um, they do have Mark Andrews. He's been hurt a little bit. So but they have some good receivers. Just, again, I don't know what was going on there. Uh, but uh, you put Lamar Jackson behind the Raiders, and then now they don't have to draft a quarterback. They can go and get the best um, lineman that they need, and I think it's a right tackle they need. So they go after one of the two tackles coming out of Ohio State. So now your line's a little bit more stable. Um, Cardinals just released Rodney Hudson, who's probably uh, past his prime. I wouldn't mind having Rodney Hudson back. Uh, it is a different system, so I don't know. But Ooh. Rodney Hudson was really good for the Raiders. He was really – and even before that, with Kansas City, he was such a – he was top tier. He was like number one center in the league for a long time. So um, maybe one year, see how it does. Do the Raiders mm-hmm. uh, just have the first uh, – just one first-rounder? One, the, just the seventh, and then their next pick is at 38. Yeah, so, if you guys get a which quarterback – in free agency, you might be able yeah. to deal back and still get like a really good. Oh yeah, team. then at seven because uh, there's still quarterback needed teams, and I mean one of those top mm-hmm. four quarterbacks could drop to seven, or somebody else needs something at seven. Like um, a pick or two, right? Get, right. You could get like there's a lot of people out there. There's things you could get if you if the Raiders and not just Lamar Jackson. I don't know about Garoppolo, but we're talking about Lamar Jackson, so. Um, yeah, if the Raiders were able to swing that, the Lamar Jackson trade or sign whatever, sign and trade or match the offer or something, that would be amazing for uh, the Raiders. It'd be amazing for a lot of teams, but yeah, especially. I don't. I hope it doesn't happen. Sorry. I know you don't. Sorry, your uh, <laughs> your guys' success directly affects my team's ability <laughs> to succeed. <laughs> Hey, Jared Stidham's really good, man. Look at him versus hey, the 49ers last year. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, we have uh, the Seahawks re-signed Geno Smith. Three years. Was it 100? He's making, a 50, he's making a 52 million. Oh, we, we? I'm, I'm happy. Talk about that in pre-show. For, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for... Uh, for Gino, because I think Gino's been in the league a long time, and um, I've always thought he was a quality quarterback. Uh, he's even last year, like he was a good starting quarterback, quality quarterback, but he did fall off a little bit towards the end of that that season, just a little bit. And yeah, so, that career um, highs, right? Percentage completions, uh, QBR, but towards but, the yeah. end, he said he was trying to force it a little bit. And you saw right. him like seven interceptions in the last seven games. Yeah. And like you say, Pete Carroll said it's a this contract for him is is a prove me contract to himself because uh a lot of the money that he's gonna make are from incentives and the goals that he needs to hit during his uh years in the contract for him to get all the money that he's guaranteed. Not guaranteed, but all the money that's in the contract. Because there's a guaranteed number that he already has. He's still going to make a lot of money, but if he wants to make a lot of money, there's incentives there. He's going to have to be a better quarterback than he was his last year. Um, I, I feel if he keeps his – I think he led the league in completion percentage. It was like 70, right. 69 yeah. point something. Um, as, as, as a football fan, I'm happy for him. As a Raiders fan, I'm happy for him too because, hey, Seattle, could have done better, but you did it. <laughs> 
What I mean, but with him being there, probably I'm going to save this for next episode because we'll be able to talk about draft stuff. But right, want to talk about it, how it, that it, changes. Just to get into it, if you draft. I know what you're going to ask, I I do think it allows them to draft uh, another position. I think it puts them in a position where they can do either one. They can draft because Gino's a little older, mm-hmm. and uh, so I they have they, to replace him eventually, right? At some time, so. They do have two picks in the first round, don't they? Five and 20. See? So, I mean, even if you don't go five, maybe you go 20 and you get a guy like uh, – who do they have enough? There's still, like, decent quarterbacks that you can pick up first round and you can, like, kind of kind of reach for a little bit at 20. 20 is a, a weird position to, like – I think at that point you're drafting for best player available. But if you want to draft – like, if you want to draft your quarterback of the future – because Gino's a little older, that would be a great place to also drop the quarterback. So you don't need to do him at five, but you can get him at 20. I, I mean, if Anthony Richardson is there at five. I think they I think they go. Especially I after think this they time, go. right? If Will Levis is right. there at 20. Yeah, again, yes. Right. Gary, it, it just kind of depends on who's how who's left. Yeah. You go yeah. if one, two, three, four goes all quarterback, and at number five, it's like, well, I'm not taking Hayden Hooker coming off. Yeah, injury. no. You so can take I, the best non-quarterback available. So at twenty, you can take Hayden Hooker, and he, you know, he's supposed to be supposed. What the hell's going on today? Anyway, supposedly he will still be, uh, uh, or he'll be ready. Um, by the time training camp comes around, uh, summertime. So probably by the time he's ready, when he's ready to take. But they say, they say, yeah, by the time he's ready, he'll be fully healed. But they said he should be ready to be on the field, ready to play by summertime, and you know he can sit behind Geno Smith, who he's probably more athletic than him, but he's also that type of quarterback. He's a pocket passer. So is Geno. He can probably learn a lot from Geno. They, they might be. It might be the same type of quarterback. So at 20, I, I think they could take a fly. They could pick what they need at five and uh, still get Hayden Hooker at 20. That would be a great pick, I think. Yeah. If a super top talent, Bryce Young, right. DJ Stroud falls to them at five, or then take Anthony it. Richardson is there at five, if Will Evans is there at 20, if like Hayden Hooker's there in the second, third round, whatever, I think the Seahawks actually – do have a whole lot of options. They definitely have right. a whole bunch of picks, but I want to get some, uh, some Hawks fans, some twelves on to see what right. they think we'll, about we'll, we'll save that for a, a draft. Uh, we'll save that for the draft because I totally have something else to say about Seattle and drafting FI, but we'll wait for the because that could be a whole other segment. So we're nice. Talking about um, nice. Thanks for hopping on. Of course, no. You already know, man. This is a fun time for me. So. Any uh any shout outs this week? Hey man, shout out to uh, one of my childhood best friends, man, Jeff Edison. That those are both of his nephews that uh, were in the combine. Um Henry Toto and uh Norso. Also the Norso's uncle Michael and their dad, who I grew up with, man. The their dad played football with my, a couple of my older brothers at Top of the High School. Uh Gabe, man. Gabe was a really Really great tight end, I remember. Um, he's a great tight end, played baseball, but also we used to play ball at um Lions Park. I learned a lot from Gabe. Gabe yeah, man. Gabe was like an older cousin to me too out there. 
his like family. Uh, he and his uh, Noah's uncle Michael were tight growing up. Um, yeah, and but Jeff Jeff Felipe was one of my childhood best friends. We still talk today. He's out in Sacramento working. I think he's are you in Southwest, Jeff. If you do listen to this man, shout out to you, man. It'll be exciting to see those two guys, knowing that they're connected to you directly. Especially Noah, because uh, I got back to the island just as um, Ben A and Noah were they were playing for their dad uh, on the AYFS teams. I think I got to see them play their last year there. They were young. Um, and their dad was also coaching at Maris at the time. So, man, so fun. Um, especially for us coming from back home such a small place, seeing so many kids that are directly um, connected to the island, you know, just flourish out there. Like if you were to take a picture, if you're out here in the United States and you think about where we're from in American Samoa, you can equate it to a very small town out here. That's how small the island is. Like you can go the whole day and see the same person four or five times in the day. That's how small the island is all over the island. So if you were to put a lot of the players in the league together that are from the island, um, gosh, there's it's like you would be surprised. Like, damn, all these kids are from that one island? Like, there's a there's 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 a, a statistic that uh, a boy from American Samoa is more likely to make the NFL, like 10 times more likely to make the NFL than any other, uh, from any other town. And... By per capita, I think we have the most, if we were to be counted as a small town or a small city, mm -hmm. a city even, or state, we'd have the most players in the NFL, you know? So that's dope, man. I mean, it's a fun game that we fit in. Oh, yes. And if you're and not even just talking to American Samoa, if you go as far as like uh, Polynesian Islands or the South Pacific Islands, even bigger. And now you have like, a, first you had a room full. Now you have a warehouse full of people from one place. So, I mean, it's fun to see. I mean, you saw, damn, sorry. I know we talk a lot, but anyway, you saw uh, when Henry was, uh, when he was interviewed, I, I, I reposted that interview. He was just talking about how Polynesian kids, you know, how they're made for the sport. And people were asking about, you know, like, Samoans, but he never, he always included, like, Polynesia as a whole, the Tongan kids, the Fijian yeah. kids, they also asked um, the D-tackle from, uh, from sorry, the defensive end, another Fehoko, Lili Fehoko from uh, San Jose State. They asked him about it too, and he always, he never was just like, yeah, he said he was full Tongan, but he always gave props to the Polynesian culture as a whole. Um, same with uh, the defensive tackle from Baylor. Uh, he, he's uh, Tongan too, you know, just how they were talking about the, the people they were influenced by growing up in the game. And so it's it's going to be fun to watch, man, uh, all these kids getting into. And then we have um, uh, DJ Uyengale at uh, Oregon State um, and Nico Yomalealba, who are very closely connected because of their fathers. Uh, Nico trained with um, with Big Dave, uh, DJ's father, uh, and his father. So at the skill position now, you have 
TJ, who came out of high school, the number one quarterback in the country, um, transferred over to uh, Oregon State from Clemson. You know, he's going to be big. Then you have Nico, who is signed a, a very lucrative NIL deal um, going to Tennessee, you know. Uh, and just shout out to the Polynesian culture as a whole, man. Like, it's to everybody, against, all yeah, of us. All of us, man. Not, 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 I'm nothing against other cultures, man. I'm just stating because we are Polynesian and we're always going to show pride in our culture. So all these kids coming up, man, just watching Tolano Hufanga, uh in San Francisco, Juju out in Kansas City. Uh, shout out to um, someone who's like a, a brother to me. Uh, their family. His family is my family. They look after me, too, and I look after them. So shout out to Frankie, who had the most amazing season last season. Yeah. So Frankie set the bar, not just for Polynesian players or linebackers, but the linebacker position as well, because he did a lot. And uh, he's got another season in Carolina coming up. He's out in Arizona right now training hard. Never takes anything for granted, man. Um, and I know it sounds just like because uh, I'm connected to their family, but the kid's humble, man. He's probably one of the most humble kids I've I've, I've ever come across. Um, he never forgets the hard work that not just he puts in, but the people that are behind him. The hard work they put in every day for him to be where he's at right now, to help him be where he's at right now, it's never lost on him. So it's great to see that, man. And uh, again, shout out to Jeff, who I'm connected to, my best friend, Jeff, but also shout out to everybody who's been behind Henry Toto and Noah Sewell uh, up to this point in their career. And then after that, you know, moving on after this, this point in their career, people that are going to be pushing them and keeping them um, keeping them right, you know, keeping them, keeping them in the lead because that's where they're about to be. So, uh, Gabe, um, uh, Adrian Soul, shout out to you guys as parents, man. All your kids, man. I met them when they were younger. They probably don't even remember me, but they've always been great kids. Uh, yeah, man. Shout out to those guys, man. It's gonna be fun, man. And uh, shout out to Marcus, man. I drink Tampico and uh, Sunny. It's been a while, but I do drink it, Marcus. When's the last Sunny. time you drank Sunny Delight? Not as a <laughs> mixer. It's, it's been a while, man. It's because it's, uh, I mean because you know niece, better. No, I will yeah. not buy into that. <laughs> yeah, I will not buy into that. Um, um, I just don't. I just don't buy podcast. I need to. Yeah, I need to log on for that. Shout out to the to the Polytechnic podcast, man. Marcus and Sefa. Uh oh, it's a fun time listening to them. Even funner time when they invite us on. So we're all just talking about uh things. So shout out to them. Shout out also to also out to uh the girls at the official Mile High Club. Uh they're funny. They're they're too funny. Uh I listen to Dora and Rosie all the time. Shout out to Rosie. Um, she put in work in the gym, girl. You look good, okay, Rosie. I see. Get it. Let's get it, okay. Uh, me and Dora were talking about food the other night, and uh, like I said, Dora, if you come down out here to Portland, me and Lance got you. We're gonna take you. I'm gonna take you. I was telling her about the uh, um, original pancake house. How it used to be 24 hours, and everybody used to go to that place. Is place is so good. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, shout out to the original pancake house. Uh, Amen. 
Yeah, we gotta. We're definitely gotta have um, Doron for the Met Gala when that comes up. Ooh, and yes. Then, yeah, Rosie with tips on how to like crush it in the in the gym. Yeah. Um, another Poly Podcast, Emerald Perspective. Amen. Uh, they Amen. got a new episode that just came out. They're inter- They got an interview with um, Garfield, state champion. Um, I just seen that Hooper Katie Fiso. Yep. Um, so tune into that. That's other podcasts you can check out. Um, the Polyticket Podcast, Official Mile High Club, <clears throat> Emerald Perspective, Pacifica by Design. Who else has a pod? Uh, even that, just a page NFL uh, Pacifica, bro. Shout oh, out sh- to NFL yeah. Pacifica on Instagram oh, for right. celebrating our own, as they say in their posts, and for yeah. reposting all of the polys that were at the combine and, and for keeping us up to date. Uh, yeah. so that's that's where I got a bunch of the um research for uh the guys that have been man, we didn't even use mostly, but yeah, shout out definitely follow on Instagram NFL yeah. Pacifica. Um, and then finally, shout out to uh, Utah forward Alyssa Peely, um, e. Pac-12 Conference Player of the Year. Um, I think she averaged over 22 and shot almost 60%. Yeah, I think um, she also had like seven boards on the year. Bro, this uh, is the, for her first year transferring um, from, SC. from USC, fight on, uh, to uh, whatever the Utes, what is it, Go Utes? That's cool. Go use and uh, uh, as another day fan, ha ha ha, USC. <laughs> so hey, shout out uh, to Alyssa Peely, uh, doing big things. Keep it up. Yeah, that is our show for today. This week we will be on again to talk about how the Seahawks signing Geno Smith is going to affect their draft. Um, a bunch of other draft stories. Will the Chargers and the Raiders what they're going to do in the next month? Uh, will teams be trading up for quarterbacks? Keep it locked here. We will be talking about that. Um, yeah. Anything else? Oh, hey, shout out to my niece, Nora, who's uh, about to be one. We're about to have a, a celebration uh, out here in uh, Hillsboro. Uh It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of little pretty duckies running around at a park. Uh and a lot of grown duckies getting drunk at the grill. So yeah, we're gonna make a lot of food. If you're listening to this, you're invited. Come on down. Uh, right. Let me know, <laughs> so I know how much chicken to get. Which right. is why people made RSVPing a thing in the first place. RSVP. Just respond. again, again, not a Polynesian thing because Polynesians think that uh, we always prepare for more. <laughs> but we're not in Samoa, whereas we would have like. Uh, four cases of chicken, and two of those cases probably would have been just leftover chicken. We'd be trying to give away after the barbecue, but we don't do that out here. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have the food budget to <laughs> four cases of leftovers. No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to dial that in. Uh, we're trying to do a smash cake, cupcakes. Freaking, I'm gonna make potato salad for sure. Right. Um. Yeah, and it might be cold because it's in three weeks and it's in Portland, but. You know what? We're gonna be out at the park. No, right. no. If it does like winter storm, something crazy like it's been, we're going to like Wonderland Arcade or like, something. Nah, then bring your sled. <laughs> then bring a jacket. You know how we do. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it very much. I am Lance Falatonga for Forest Don't Allow. This is this week's episode. Stay hydrated. Stay blessed. Stay balling. 
love and light. Peace. Yahweh.